Have you seen the Patton Oswalt bit about this movie or no? No, Patton Oswalt's a comedian. Yes. I, I think I know who he is, but I have definitely never seen the bit. He has like a three to four minute bit on just this movie and how ridiculous it is that this movie is a thing and that a screenwriter like sat down and typed this up and like submitted it as a movie. Well, screenwriter, I think by that you mean George Berry, who did everything on this film. You have done more research than me, sir. <laughs> so I think he wrote, directed, produced like everything. One guy, this was his baby. I mean, it's very possible. It, this does seem like a labor of love because otherwise I can't imagine how it ever got produced. That's hilarious. So that must have come out pretty recently, the comedy sketch. Like it's actually, when... I think it's decently, it's not a sketch. It's, he's doing stand up, but he basically rants about this movie for like four minutes. I would strongly recommend finding it because he raises some very, very salient points. Which we're going to get into, obviously. Yeah, well, it might have given me some some material here. I didn't know that, but that's okay. Uh, I actually did do a little bit of research on this movie because I had some questions um, related to it. And it didn't come out until pretty recently on DVD. This was a movie that was made in the 70s but never released. Yeah, it was kind of a lost uh, like a lost gem, Yeah, if you want to call it a gem. So the director tried to get it released but couldn't get any buy-in. He, Always a good sign. Someone offered him $1,000 to release it on VHS, and he turned them down because that was going to be the cost of putting in credits at the end of the movie. Wow, you've learned so yeah, much about this. Really, it's amazing. But he, I guess somehow it got leaked in the 70s and was going around like the world, and people were watching it. All the way until it finally got released in the 2000s, and the director had no idea. Well, uh, his loss is our gain, I guess, because we got to watch this movie to talk about today. Uh, welcome to Bad Movies and Beer. I'm Cooper. I'm Nolan. And we are talking about Deathbed. The bed that eats. The bed that eats. What? Yeah. <laughs> and so my first experience uh. to this movie was the Patton Oswalt. Uh, comedy routine and it's he makes it sound so implausible because it is in fact so implausible (laughs) to make a whole like roughly 90 minute movie about a bed that eats people i mean it it got done uh barry put some time in and made it happen uh whether he should have done that and whether he should have released it is going to be sort of the material that we talk about through this podcast without even getting to our ratings yet which come later on at the end i will say if you have not seen deathbed the bed that eats I strongly recommend watching it. If you are a horror fan or if you are a fan of bad movies, this thing like needs to be seen to be believed is how I would put it. Yeah, well, let's get Barry some money. It kind of went around free for like 30 years, so we might as well try to get him some funds. I bought the Blu-ray. You know me. I'm physical media forever. I'm big prone to physical media, and I paid straight cash for the Blu-ray, and I'm glad (laughs) that I did. And so with this podcast, if you're uh, hopefully not a new listener, well, no, if you're a new listener, perfect. Uh, we always find a beer that matches with the sort of theme of our movie. So what are we drinking today here? Well, you're the beer guy. You tell me. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. I just looked at the can for the first time, yep. actually, and it's called Snooze You Lose. That's right. Yeah. Because if there's a bed that's eating people and you decide to take a nap, you snooze, you're going to lose. Yeah. And this is a honey brown ale from All or Nothing Brewing. Uh, they're out in Oshawa, Ontario. This is going to be right up Cooper's Alley. I think I'll probably enjoy it, too. Uh, I do enjoy a, a good old honey brown ale. I'd say one of my gateway beers was, oh, me too. Uh, that's was exactly a honey brown ale, right? The first this beer is... I ever had in my life was a honey brown, and I just I that's all I drank for like the first year that I was like dipping my toe in the beer pool. And uh, this is pretty funny. The uh, picture on it is like an old school boxer with his fists up fighting against a purple bear wearing a honey bee necklace. So... 
Uh, pretty good can art too, which is always a good deal. And we're going to get into this right now yeah, and we'll talk it. about the movie and let's see how it goes. So we start with a completely black screen and a strange kind of crunching sound. Or at first I'm like, is it footsteps? I wasn't really sure. Someone's eating a bag of chips. That's kind of what it sounds yeah, like. And then it, we get a title card that just says breakfast. <laughs> Which I, I laughed really hard at this and I'm like, okay, clearly this is like a play. We're going to get it split into parts. I love it. I think that was yeah, a really yeah. great way to like, start okay, this movie. Here we go. We pan across a wooded area to kind of a stone house. And from there we cut to the fireplace we pan left to the bed. Then there's a painting of the bed. And now we get a British narrator doing a voiceover. He is trapped in the painting and has been for over 50 years since his death. Yes. <laughs> this is really fucking weird and confusing. Uh, it does get explained a little bit later, so I was thankful for that. But I was really confused why the man was stuck behind the painting. And also, it kind of felt like the narration was moving between the bed and the man. Like, I know it was the man most of the time talking, but he also did it from the perspective of the bed several times, and I thought that that was kind of strange. <laughs> we know very quickly that this bed is an important part of this story. I want to add in that there was some also some interesting space sounds as you moved in and saw. <laughs> we got some early synth sounds as we are going. But There's a lot of synth in this movie. Yeah. It's kind of ahead of its time in that way. Uh, the narrator tells us that someone's coming, and it's waking up. It, I guess, being the bed. Yeah, so he's letting us know that uh, this bed is definitely interested in people who come to visit this manor or castle. And the first people who come to visit are two, I guess, like young adults. Are they supposed to be teenagers? I'm not really sure. Yeah, they're definitely a couple. They look like they're in their early 20s, but maybe they're trying to insinuate they're teenagers. And it seems like the man uh, of this couple knew that this place would be abandoned. The reason I thought maybe they were like teenagers, supposed to be teenagers, is because they were clearly just looking for a place to have sex. Which, if you're an adult who has their own place, you have your own place. You don't need to find strange places to do it. But the fact that they're clearly looking, at least the guy is, for a place to bang, I'm like, oh, they're teenagers. Yeah, that's fair. I, I definitely, you can tell very quickly that that's why they're exploring or coming to this mansion. They kind of poke around. And it seems like the bed is sort of trying to corral them into their area. It has telekinetic powers they try to enter this this kind of stone house but the doors are kind of locking on their own except for one door and that is of course the door that leads to the room that we saw with the bed in it oh yeah and this is where we see actually a lot of close-ups uh there's a lot of zooms in this movie yes there are um, but we get some of our first zooms of the doors locking and we can tell that it's actually the bed making them lock so the bed makes it so there's only one possible entrance they can go in yeah he's funneling them to where the bed itself is now the narrator says if only I could speak beyond this painting and warn them. If only the demon would dream. What? <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> this is where that person trapped behind the painting is powerless. He has to watch everything go down, which is brutal because he's seeing this bed in all of its demonic glory, apparently. Um, but if the demon dreams, and we're going to find out throughout this movie that once every 10 years it does... It'll give him a chance to escape, I guess. It'll give him know. a chance to communicate. He can oh, that's talk. what it is. He can talk beyond the painting. And that does come into play later in this movie. But that's later. For now, the girl is very afraid. She wants to go back. But the guy tells her there's nothing to be afraid of. He tells her that twice. And also, he gives her this like stereotypical sleaze bag, like, you know I love you, right? <laughs> Which, oh. <laughs> yeah, this is their whole scene together is really awkward because it's clearly a man trying to get into the pants of a woman who has a lot of reservations. Like, she expresses, like, she's not comfortable with this several times. 
And he should have taken her out of there and taken her home. All I could think of this whole scene, did you ever used to watch The Kids in the Hall? Yeah, absolutely. Did you know Bruce McCulloch's like, but baby, I love you. Like, come on, baby. That's all I could think of the whole time. That's what this guy's and doing. That, it does feel like that. He did bring bring them a bit of a snack or a picnic. So what well, does he yeah, what does he pull out for them to have a little munch on before they get down? An apple, some fried chicken, and a uh, bottle wine, of champagne or and wine. And some yeah. candles, romantic candles. Yeah. Guys trying to do it right, trying to do it classy. But who brings a bucket of chicken to uh, like a sex session? Uh I mean, the only the only thing I can think of trying to defend this is that the grease of the fried chicken could act as a natural loop. I don't know if that's <laughs> is that is that so good. That's nothing. That's, no, no good. that's not something that <laughs> that's repulsive. I, I'm reaching here, perhaps. That, that's but. definitely a reach. But I was just I was like the apple, the champagne, and the candle made sense to me, and the wine that made perfect sense to me. But when he pulled out a buck and a chicken, I wasn't like, okay, they're ready to get down. Either way, they're not eating it because while they are making out, the bed kind of bubbles up and it, it, like, it, <laughs> the food submerges. There's like a filter on this where everything seems yellow. It's under clearly just underwater. And this is meant to be the bed's digestive system, I guess? It's really strange. It seems like it's more of a waterbed than a regular bed because everything sort of underneath the surface is this bubbly acidic liquid and when the food goes drops down into it you do hear crunching sounds but you never see fucking teeth in this movie no but the food does get eaten and it rises back up and now it's just like chicken bones and apple core (laughs) yeah it's really hilarious so the the apple core and the empty bottle of wine or champagne and the the bones of the chicken are sitting there and she goes to have a bite and nope it's already eaten well she stops the makeout session and says let's have some food the guy just says Let's not, which is super like predatory. Yeah. Uh, the girl says, you know, I could use some time. So the guy reaches for the food, but it's been eaten. Uh, he doesn't find this odd. He's just like, oh, I guess I made a mistake. He the plays gir- it off like he fucking ate it already and he yeah. forgot. Well, but then the girl is like, I wasn't hungry anyway. I'm like, what the fuck? You just stopped all this five seconds ago. You said you wanted food. <laughs> What's going on? Yeah, this is a really weird physical relationship. Like, she seems not so committed most of the time. And then the other, like, 2%, she's all down. Well, you want to talk about weird uh, relationships sexually. Um, they get back to it, and he is, like, squeezing the <laughs> side of her breasts. It's this weird, like, he's just, like, <laughs> mushing the sides of them, which I'm like, this is not how you grope a person. Well, like, this it, is. It was really weird. We get the first boob of the movie, right? And we're at 70s horror. We assume that there would be some nudity. Yeah. And he definitely goes, it looks more like he's trying to, like, milk her than he is trying <laughs> to have sex with her in the ways that he's touching her yeah. body. The curtains, though, as you mentioned, they, the curtains close on this four-post bed. And we immediately get screams. Then an arm kind of flops out. There's blood rolling down the arm, and I love this. The blood drips down onto the candle, and it puts out the candle. What an artistic shot. Wow. This is the first of maybe 17 dozen artistic shots in this film. There's a lot, man. It, it, this really felt like the director was trying to make his, like, significant art house piece right like he's really (laughs) trying to make this an artsy horror film yeah 100 percent. and uh the curtains shortly thereafter they open and instead of seeing kind of the gore that has happened on this bed we get the title and the credits deathbed (laughs) (laughs) i just i'm good like i love 
I love the title and I love reading the title that way. And I'm going to do it like 14 more times throughout this movie. <laughs> I love the second part of the title, The Bed That the Eats. The Bed That Eats. Yeah, yeah. So that to me is the part that makes me laugh. We're back to the narrator. Yeah, he, he is a really tortured man. He really right? is. He's covering his eyes and ears while that's happening. But we notice that he kind of has like his nails are done and he has all these rings and treasures on him as he's behind that curtain. Oh, he's very fancy. Yeah. He tells us that the bed is too cowardly to convince someone to take it out of the house and to the city. And then we get stock footage of a city with like the spinning newspaper effects of like old TV shows. (laughs) I wrote down that the newsreel part was amazing. I started having questions about the bed here. Like I was wondering whether it was like made to be an evil bed. Like, was this made as something that was going to be evil, or was it a regular bed that was possessed? Well, we find out very soon. Well, we're so, gonna yeah, we're gonna get some answers. This, oh, right? Yeah. I was like, yeah. But first, we get the spinning newspapers, and we get four different headlines. The first headline says thousands disappear, and then the second headline says strange munching sounds heard in the night. <laughs> I <laughs> laughed really, <laughs> oh really God. hard at that one. Maybe you laughed. I a dropped lot, a yeah. big laugh on that one. Yeah. The third one is mayor demands action, and the fourth one is. Mayor disappears. Yeah. So the headlines were amazing. I thought that was like, in terms of actually seeing it, it was clearly made in the 1970s. It looked like garbage, but I laughed my ass off at those (laughs) headlines on the paper as they pulled up. The writing for those were just like simple yet effective. Yes. A hundred percent. And presumably the bed is causing all of this, but, and this is the, not the last time I'll ask this question. This is one bed in like a major city why are so many people getting into this one bed? I don't understand. How does the mayor end up getting into this bed? I mean, the bed has powers. We know that it's able to lead people to where it wants. And if you're tired or you want to bang, there's one place that you're really looking to go, and that's a bed. So I feel like it's just set the perfect trap many, many times for all those people in the city. And at the time, we're looking at, what, when was this? This was really early we're like a turn of the century kind of shit right okay but thousands thousands of people got in this one bed no one noticed a line around the fucking block from this bedroom Come maybe, on. maybe it was in a brothel maybe that's where it was and people get into a bed for a purpose in those places <laughs> i guess i can't rule it out yeah but it seems ridiculous barry thought about all of this when he made it trust <laughs> me the narrator is arguing with the bed and the bed is lashing out at the house. This We get the impression this happened before the bulk of this movie. There's a statue that's crying blood, and I'm kind of like, what the fuck is going on here? It, uh, this was hard to watch. It was a little bit unclear. You could tell that the narrator, the man behind the painting, was sort of like, you're being an idiot. You have eaten everyone who's come to this estate, so people are staying away. And now you're destroying it because it, you're angry, right? Yeah. Well, it turns out that the bed caused this house to collapse, most of the house. And now all that is left is the cellar. And from there, we get a title card for lunch. <laughs> and and this confused me. Like, I, I love these title cards. I like that we're playing this off in sections. Me too. Don't get me wrong. I thought that that was clever, and, and I enjoyed that. The storyline of who's coming and why they're coming, I felt, was really confusing. Well, we get a little backstory on that right away. Uh, there's a car pulling up to the house. We get a voiceover. That is from Diane, one of the uh, women in the car. It turns out that the house is being sold by an estate lawyer. It used to be owned by a gangster, and a friend of the lawyer wanted to get out of the city, so the lawyer offered it up. That's why Diane are two friends there. It's three women in the car. One of them, whose name is Susan, is kind of feeling out of place. It turns out that she's more of a work friend with Diane, 
and might have kind of pushed herself on the other two who are lesbians. Yeah. So this is really up in the air. It's it's strange to me. So, of course, the one woman who's going out, the the character who has a purpose to go there as part of the estate, I guess she's checking it out so that they can list it and sell it. Like, that's my assumption. It almost seems like she's just making sure that the property is still there and they can do what they need. But she decides this would be a good opportunity to bring two other women, one who's a work friend who was kind of pushy and wanted to come along but not sure, and then the other who, yeah, maybe is a potential female partner. Either way, when they get there, there's no house anymore. What they find is a graveyard, and under one cross, there is a coffin with a girl who seems very alive. It looks like she died like the last 30 seconds, and we even hear some heartbeat sounds. Yeah, she, she doesn't look like she's very dead at all. We sort of, when they get to the place, they find that it's broken down, and one of the characters starts sort of going through some weird memories. Like, she starts remembering the ride to the place that they just arrived at. And and I was really confused about why they didn't just show them on that drive. Why would they have to go back and then do this all as, like, a monologue in her head? That's weird. And, And then we had a lot of, like, zooms and blood, and it starts to feel like the full intention of this is to make it really art house. Right? Like, there's so much effort being put into making this feel like an artistic endeavor rather than a, like, a good horror story that it goes so over the top many times. Yeah, I, I agree with what you're saying. Um, Diane and the friend, they find the cellar and, of course, the bed. But all of a sudden, kind of, where's Susan? They're wondering where Susan is. The one lady says, I don't think she's feeling well. I'll go get her. And we get an immediate cut to her, like... Fucking lifting her up. Like, basically, she was in one room with the woman, then she was all of a sudden with Susan. Like, we get we get no part of the journey. It's an immediate cut, very quick, very disorienting. The narrator is trying to warn them, and he's also questioning the bed. Why are you so afraid, he says to the bed. He says he's never seen the bed like this before. Yeah, this is really weird. One of the girls that came along with um, the person who was here for her job, right? I called her hippie girl just based on her appearance and the way that she acted. She acted with like almost zero emotion the other time, the whole time. Uh, but when she was near the bed, the bed was almost frightened. Like it kept going to zooms of that liquid that we assumed was sort of the digestive of the bed, and it would show blood. Like we, it was actually like afraid and hurting every time it would see this woman. And there's clearly some sort of backstory that we just don't know about yet. Diane and the friend leave, which is bad news for Susan. And the narrator says, "Too bad the bed doesn't fear you." Um, (laughs) yeah, that's, so this is interesting, right? So the woman who like came there and the one who we think maybe has a relationship with her, they decide to leave and leave the other woman in the room. And this is where we get the bed and it starts making these really interesting sounds. It's getting excited. Yeah. Well, Susan changes her shirt. So we see the first, not the first boobs in the movie. We see the second Second, boobs in the movie. Second set of boobs. And she's about to lay down. Yeah. And the bed is making these like panting sounds. It's like a dog like panting. I'm like, is the bed masturbating somehow? Uh, Yeah. Um, I called it a bedgasm. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. I think the bed is actually aroused and starting to have some very sexual feelings. It's hungry, right? It is. And that's connected to that. Well, it's thirsty is what it is. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, But we start to have it definitely getting like ready to eat slash orgasm. And as if on cue, Susan gets in the bed. I feel bad for Susan, man. She's clearly battling like crippling social anxiety. Yeah, this is weird. She she just before she gets in the bed, she looks in a mirror too, 
And we have this really artsy mirror shatter. Like it, it's telling us that things are not going to go well for her. She, she gets into her pajamas and lays down in the bed. And we know things are not good for her. She's struggling with the social stuff. Uh, but the bed, it doesn't care at all about that. No. From here, we cut away to Diane and the other friend. Turns out that that lady, the other friend, is on the run from her family. And we find out in a little cutaway scene that her brother is going to look for her. Now, back at the house, the bed is giving Susan nightmares. So she's being served bugs like to eat. And while sleeping, the bed like removes the covers and also the rest of her clothes. Yeah. So I have a question for you. We've talked a lot in our movies, and you've told me that there are no 80s pervs. There are no 80s pervs. That's yeah. right. In, so the, this in the 80s, everyone's just trying to get laid, and therefore it's socially acceptable. Okay. Can a bed be a perv? Because there is absolutely zero reason for this bed to take her pajamas off. Well, I think. No. I mean, it it I ate the, the people before yep, fully with clothed. their clothes yeah. on. It eats other people after with their clothes on. It just wants to strip her down. <laughs> This bed is a fucking perv. Well, listen, again, it's the 70s, so there were pervs in the 70s. I agree. It's possible. So so she's laying there. The perverted bed takes off her clothes, and it starts to do something fucked up. And this is where the art house comes in again. She was wearing a cross on her neck. Yeah. And... and- it floats down into the liquid, and what starts happening? Well, it's weird. It kind of starts, like, sawing back and forth across her neck as though it's, like, cutting through her throat. It's basically, like, garroting her, slitting her throat, while also kind of pulling her down into the yellow liquid of doom. Yeah, and, and it ends her. Well, it definitely does. We get a shot of her underwater. There's a shot of the bed kind of covered in bubbles and a shot of a skull wearing a wig, which I assume is her. Like, <laughs> her flesh off <laughs> oh, her skin. These effects were so They're really bad. bad man. Really, really bad. Anytime a skeletal or, like, death effects were horrible. Yeah, uh, we dissolve from there to shot of some flowers, and we kind of move underground. There's another skull down there. And again, like you mentioned, this is an art house thing. I wrote down here, strangely artistic, but also this is complete nonsense. Yeah. So somehow the bed has trans- like eaten her, gotten rid of all of her body, gotten rid of all of her flesh, and put her skull in the ground outside of the room in which it lives. And it made flowers grow from it, right? Roses had grown on hair. And this is supposed to be kind of symbolic because I think she had brought flowers to come to the estate to make it sort of feel more welcoming. And they're kind of connecting on that vibe. But it's pretty fucked up. Oh, definitely. Well, from there, we go to the brother. He's at a payphone. He's trying to track down his sister. And she must have some kind of sketchy friends because he has to, like, assure them that he is not the police. They assume that he is and don't want to talk to him. Then from there, we go back to the house. Diane and the friend are hungry. There's no sign of Susan, but they aren't too concerned for some reason. Meanwhile, the bed just eats various objects. So I think it eats her. It eats the girl it just ate. It eats her suitcase. I think it's trying to hide the evidence. So it it knows that the only thing they can keep track of the woman. Like, I think they think the other two girls might think she took off or left on her own. So it eats the suitcase, and there's a really funny close-up of Pepto-Bismol. <laughs> yeah, man, yeah. <laughs> it's like dumping out Pepto-Bismol into its own digestive juices, and I had a really good laugh at that. I was like, yeah, I guess when you eat too much, that's a good way to sort of clean it up, but I thought that was a funny piece that they had in there. I think after that, we transition to the man behind the painting. Yeah, the narrator is asking more questions, and we get a flashback here, actually several flashbacks. First to, uh, this is all the various people who have been in the bed over the years. So first we get a reverend who gets eaten by the bed while reading the Bible. 
Which, oh my God, his acting is just terrible. <laughs> it might be the worst death scene in the whole movie. It's really bad. He kind of like falls into the interior of the bed. It was interesting because the man behind the painting had a lot of souvenirs with him. He was either wearing rings or he had little pieces of stuff. And when he was looking at each one, they were bringing back these flashbacks. But the Reverend one was the first one, and it was real bad. It's very, very, very bad. Yeah. We then go to an old lady who is in the bed reading a tabloid newspaper. The headline, Oral Lesbians. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess this was an old, like, kind of sexual rag or something. They were trying to insinuate. I don't know. But something. she gets eaten, too. She gets eaten. Then there is the implied eating of a very young child. We don't really see the child eating, but there's a teddy bear there. And yeah. so it's kind of, like, implied. And that like, teddy bear kid. goes to the man behind the painting. So yeah, that, you know. definitely. Then we get a flashback to a young servant girl who is also eaten uh, for some reason. Then a flashback to a doctor with a lady friend who used the bed as, like, a sex clinic. They claimed it had rejuvenative power. Yeah, this was interesting. I, I called him the greasy sex grifter. <laughs> yeah, man. So they were just trying to take men who were having impotence issues, and they would invite them to the bed and say that if they like slept in it with the woman who was there, which was a lady of the night, that it would bring back sort of their sexual prowess. And they even like put electricity through the bed so that it would give them like a stimulating experience. It would yeah, to like create fun. a physical sensation yes. to match kind of their claims. It, they also hold an orgy there, and <laughs> this is the one that got to be the funniest fucking orgy they ever seen. They called it life. a religious revival, which I thought was funny. But they're all just under the covers. Like literally, the scene is a bunch of like bodies under the cover. You can you only see the shapes, like vague outlines of bodies, and they're all kind of like spaced out in a way where they can clearly not be having any actual sexual contact. It was funny, and it was the part that I laughed so hard was that sort of sexual grifter doctor guy. Climbs under those covers after everyone's in there. And with the lady. With, with the, the lady. lady yep. And joins them. And then it's just a lot of fucking chips yeah. being crunched. It's just crunching sounds, yeah. like gurgling, and they all just fucking sink into the bed. The whole orgy just gets devoured. Which was funny. It was indeed. Then we get to the last owner, which was the aforementioned gangster. Uh, who, by the way, has just a ridiculous mustache. <laughs> I wrote it down, too. I said yeah. wicked stash. Oh, it has to be fake. Yeah. Has oh, to it be. has to be. So he's on there on the bed, and he's playing poker with a buddy on the bed? Yeah, he's hiding out because clearly some people want to kill him. And uh, it turns out that it isn't people he needs to worry about. It's the deathbed. And they're playing cards, and the deathbed manipulates and puts a message on the cards for him. Yeah, one of the cards says, ha ha, you are dead. And he's like, what is this? Some kind of joke? This part, this part, I laughed my ass off. The zoom in on the Joker card? No. What do they do to try to stop the bed from eating them? Well, okay. So first of all, the Joker card says no Joker. And his friend, the associate there, goes to take a sip of his coffee. But the cup is covered in bubbles because they've been sitting on this bed. Now, the bed starts eating him. So he tries to shoot it. With just horrendous acting and oh, gun effects. And it's awful. He takes out like an old style revolver and just starts like pretend shooting it in the ground. His arm is fly like oh, flailing yeah, he's around. Stabbing. He's stabbing yeah. forward with the gun as if to indicate gunshots. Clearly there's no firing happening. Well, okay, so hang on though. When the when the associate is shooting, there are like gun sounds and the illusion of gun effects. Yeah. But when the gangster starts getting eaten and he's doing it, nothing. There is nothing. Yeah. It's He's clear, they, clearly they were supposed to post-produce gunshot sounds, but it, they didn't do it. So it's just him stabbing forward as if shooting. There's no fucking sound. There's no whatever. It's clearly 
clearly not like they've botched this somehow. I laughed my ass off. It was so fucking funny. I laughed my ass off. And as he's sinking, he puts his cigar back in his mouth, and then we get an amazing fucking quick cut to just the cigar sitting like straight up. Like as it, it makes it bed, look like the bed is singing. smoking the cigar. Fuck's yeah. sakes, it's yeah. incredible. This whole this whole like thirty seconds. Art house glory. Oh god, it was so. It's glorious, right? It's fucking glorious. Now we find out how the narrator died. He was an artist, and apparently he got a bad case of consumption. <laughs> yeah, this uh, it seemed like it cut to this pretty quickly, and we find out that consumption's taking him down. But while he's dying, he decided to draw a painting of the bed. Yeah, he made a painting of his own deathbed. But the bed resurrects him and like traps him behind this painting. Yeah, where he proceeds to tell us the history of the deathbed. So basically, there was a demon who fell in love with a young lady. Hold on. You're right. But where was the demon? Where did it live? I don't remember. In a fucking tree. Okay. So the demon <laughs> resided in a fucking tree. Yeah. It decided to jump on a breeze, on the fucking wind. And while it's on the wind, <laughs> it falls in love with a... It's a fairy tale. Like a young girl, like yeah, a princess, falls essentially. With, falls in love with a maiden. She's a, she's a, rich, she's yeah. a rich young maiden. Yes. Falls in love with a um, maiden. And he builds, actually builds a bed to bang her. But then when he bangs her, she dies because he's a demon. And apparently demons can't have sex with humans. I don't know why he didn't know that before he nailed her, but that's what happened. <laughs> yeah, this is crazy. So the bed is created because he finds a maiden who he loves. I guess she falls in love or uses his demon power to control her. They fuck on the bed and it kills her. <laughs> it sure does. It kills her. And then he cries because he has murdered her through sex. Well, he cries and he cries tears from his blood red eyes. And when these tears fall on the bed, it created the deathbed. Death yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, my God. My Which goodness. then proceeds to eat her entire family. Yeah, um, it becomes this demonic bed. We hear, like, a random organ solo. Yeah. <laughs> Which is out of nowhere. And then... Remember at the start, we had that woman who was in a grave but yeah. didn't look dead? That's the girl. It's her. He has done something to preserve her. She's maybe not dead. I don't know what the fuck is going she's on She's holding this like a silver book, and she's under that grave. She's not quite dead, I guess. Um, but she's preserved in this grave, not really dead. Well, and apparently, Diane's friend, the one whose brother is looking for her, she has this girl's eyes. Mm. So the, that would be like the bed eating its own mother or something? I really was not clear on this. Yeah, that is exactly what I interpreted, too. I think the bed would not harm her, and it was sad because it felt like that was his mother. Right? We, we're getting almost like an Oedipal thing here. Like, it didn't want to be a part of that process. And that's why it hesitated. Um, yeah, I don't know. But, but apparently it's going to. It's going to eat her. It, but, it will. It's going to yeah. get over this fear. I think you're right. Well, it's going to have to wait, though, because she goes off driving to look for Susan. Diane stays behind in case that Susan comes back. But she decides to have a drink. And when she decides to have a drink, she sits on the bed. Yeah. So she pulls out this, like, giant bottle of wine and decides, I, like, I need to let loose here a little bit. But as soon as she's in the bed, you know what we get? Title card dinner <laughs> awesome i like it she puts her cigarette down in the bed and it makes a bit of a moan like i get the sense that the bed's a little bit into it okay well i mean <laughs> the bed is clearly very into most of these devourings yeah. it was interesting like i was like ooh, it, like it did smoke that cigar and when she put the cigarette out in it like i was like why isn't it lighting on fire one and two like it liked it it yeah. had that sound um, it's body of evidence kind of thing yeah a little, little pain and pleasure but then after she drinks the wine she decides to lay down and we start into another dream sequence well but first we see the friend who's searching for susan her car has died by the side of the road mm. so there's no more searching she starts walking back 
Um, as you mentioned, Diana's crushed some wine. She decides to have a smoke, um, gets comfortable on the bed. She moves further onto it, which at this point, I mean, I'm just like, she's going to get eaten. Yeah, it's, it's over. She falls asleep with her cigarette, and we do get the dream sequence that you mentioned. Uh, in this case, it is just fucking very artsy. Susan is there. There's like a book of dead people. Mm-hmm. She sees herself in it. Yeah, there's mirror pages. She yeah. opens the pages, and it's a mirror. There's a fire. She wakes up from this dream, like sweaty, and is starting to be pulled into the bed. Yeah, I assumed she was going to burn to death in the inevitable fire from her cigarette not being put out. I assumed she was going to get eaten by the bed. Like, well, I she thought it was starts over. getting eaten, but she manages to escape. She pulls herself up because of the post, the four-corner, like, post-corner bed. She pulls up the post and drags her very, very injured legs onto the floor and up the steps to the door. So this is a really long sequence. Like it takes like seven minutes for her to pull herself out of the bed and up there. She is covered in red paint, right? It doesn't look at all like she's actually injured. It looks like all of the stuff's on top of her and she's making a lot of very erotic sounds. Yeah. We've got these constant painful kind of like groaning and these dark tones of like the soundtrack. It is very dark, but we also get maybe the most convincing like acting or pull of the whole thing she does not at all move her legs for the entire seven minutes as she pulls herself off the bed and up i was like impressed with her performance i was like you are doing a good job the deck director clearly made you moan way more than you were comfortable with because <laughs> i was like what the hell but you did a great job of committing to crawling to the door and trying to escape and get help yeah credit where it's due she does a fantastic job she almost makes it too but the bed pulls her back yeah it grabs her with the sheets like, it literally sends out the sheets, and it wraps around her leg and pulls her back inside the room. Yes, but her friend, whose car broken down, appears just in time to see her get eaten. She, like, almost saves her, but is not quite there in time. Yeah, it kind of almost pulls her up from under the bed and inside of it, which was interesting. That's the first time we've seen someone eaten from below. Yeah, and the narrator, then, is uh, very sad about this. And what I also was confused about is the girl who tried to save her had zero emotion after like, I found this the entire time with this actress. She sat there and didn't look upset, didn't look angry, didn't look sad, didn't look scared. She was nothing. She was expressionless. Yeah, I mean, to me, she seemed sad, and the narrator, again, seems very sad. The narrator definitely is. Yes. This girl seemed like she was just a loss for anything. Well, she's probably super rattled by this deathbed eating her friend. And by the way, it slurps up at just every last drop of blood. It's pretty gross. It is. We then cut to the brother who finds the broken down car. So we know he's almost there. When we go back to the room, the friend is just sitting in the corner uh, in the same room as the bedroom's later friend. The narrator says she's lost her mind. Yeah. And it seems here like the bed starts messing with her a little bit. It's like trying to play with her. We get a zoom of a heartbeat. Yeah, that's very strange. It's, it's the girl. It's the girl on the ground, right? And it feels very Edgar Allan Poe. Like, we almost have that sound of the heartbeat going in Yeah, the, yeah, the telltale yeah. heart. Yeah, exactly. The brother arrives. He finds the cellar. He finds all the blood, and he finds his sister, who we find out her name is Sharon. Yes. The deathbed then coughs up an eyeball, and then, like, many eyeballs, but then it eats them again. You know, just to show what it can do, I guess. I don't know. This is so strange. It's really weird. When he's coming to find her... He is like running towards the door and then he all of a sudden takes a tumble. 
like out of nowhere takes this ridiculous <laughs> fall and i feel like it wasn't on purpose like i think they left it in but i felt like he was <laughs> running was the saber and yeah. i noticed that he was wearing heels like they put him in heels well, i think that was the style of the time yeah i think so but he falls because of it and they also cut like him moving two feet like he's running he falls he gets back up and then there's a clean cut of him like moving two feet closer to the door and i was just baffled by that whole thing and he was interesting as an actor. He he looked like Terry Fox to me. <laughs> he looked, hero yeah, Terry, he looked Fox? Terry Fox. He looked like a super low budget Terry Fox that I was like, oh my what goodness. are you doing here? But Terry Fox gets in the room with his sister uh, and, and starts to, he wants to save the day. What does he try to do? Well, first of all, if I walked into a room and just saw a fucking bed and my sister sitting in the corner, I wouldn't assume the bed was an evil, demonized bed that was eating people. I would just, like... Yeah, he, he has no recollection of what's happening. But he gets it right away. I right know, away. immediately has it, and he reaches yeah. into a bag and pulls a giant knife from it? Yeah, well, he's like, we have to try to get her out, and then he stabs the bed with a fucking knife. Yeah, the he, bed... <laughs> oh, my... But this the bed is, just oh, absorbs it, because yeah. why not? It's absorbing everything else. And it also absorbs his arms, and then, oh... <laughs> my god so this is this is incredible he, he goes for several stabs of the bed with what i i guess is like a knife you use for cutting bread it looks like almost like a bread knife <laughs> so he's trying to knife. stab it several times with this long bread knife and his arms get sucked in and they're trying to rip his arms out for a little bit here well and he manages to do it but when he pulls it out he has, i can't even say it with a straight face oh he has skeleton hands. His, his hands are skeletons. I this laughed. Is just an unbelievable, unbelievably so bad effect. It looked like the skeleton you would see in like a medical drama or health class that like taught people about yes. the bones. And they were held together for no reason, right? Like I wrote, he would have stumps. <laughs> There's no way that those hands would come out. Well, yeah, stumps very soon. I wrote down, this is incredible. These are lower budget special effects than the fucking spiderweb and spookies like this is just unreal it was insane like in the yeah. first time they show it there's not even like bloody stumps or I anything died laughing. the first time they show it they basically take sleeves and crunch them up around yeah, so his he's hands just holding he's like clearly the skeleton handing two skeleton hands office. yeah yes. he's just clearly holding them they don't even try to make it look like they're a part of his arm. Just the sleeves Incredible. of his shirt are clutched around them. Indeed. He is oddly calm during all of this. Even when they start falling apart, like, he gets his sister just like snap off the fingers and the fucking hands. She throws his skeleton hands in the fire, and suddenly the narrator is like, The demon sleeps. He's dreaming. You've lost all your strength. I can talk beyond my painting. Which... What? How? What? So, Why? So apparently, and this is what I gleamed, is that every 10 years when the demon sleeps, and we know that the demon created the bed with its tears when it fucked the maiden and it all went wrong. <laughs> <laughs> um, every 10 years, this person who's been resurrected by the bed is allowed to speak from outside the bed, right? And it just so happens that this is the first time, I'm guessing, that he's had someone he could speak to. Well, he, he does. He speaks to Sharon, and he tells her exactly what to do. Step one, get her brother the fuck out of there. Yep. Step two, you need to get a bunch of wood. Just gather it up. Step three, they need to put a circle of blood around the bed. Step four, take a piece of the brother's finger and Diane's hair. This will join the two circles, and the bed will move to the other circle. This is so fucking elaborate. Yeah, there's this crazy ceremony that needs to go on. 
you skipped over a little bit because we sort of transition and it does go to the just desserts. We've transitioned to the fourth section of this story. Oh, that is true. Yes. Right? So we had breakfast, we had lunch, we had dinner, and now we're in the just desserts. And this is sort of revenge time for people against the bed. So she starts this sort of crazy elaborate ritual where she had to collect wood, put it in a big circle outside, and then also carve a circle around the bed, which caused blood to raise out of the floor. What happens after she does that? Well, there's one more step that I didn't get to. Oh, all right. And that's step five. In step five, uh, you're going to die. Sorry. Uh, He just, he had to hide that part from her. But when she dies, the girl the demon fell in love with will rise and she will destroy the bed. Yes. So the maiden comes back to life after the woman sort of sacrifices herself unknowingly inside that room. The bed yeah. transports out to almost like a, a beach or another area where her brother is laying there. And well, this the, is what killed me. The maiden goes to the brother. Oh, she she sure does. Yeah, she rises from the grave and then she bangs the brother. Yeah, so I wanted to ask in the, a in the fucking wooden circle. It didn't look like sex at all. Like it was very fast and very hard to interpret. I, I think oh, yes. it is. Dude, I think it is. But. She she brings the brother to that wooden circle. She bangs him. And as soon as she does, the bed immediately bursts into flames. So the bed is just destroyed. The narrator is freed. And we are led to believe the demon blinks or something. <laughs> yeah, the demon kind of like senses that the bed he created is gone and his maiden is gone. Maybe. I don't know. But basically, all of the people who went there are dead. Yes. Right? The maiden's dead. Yes. She sacrificed herself. The guy behind the painting is free? He is. Uh, and I, this is where we're at the end of this movie, and I was like, what the fuck? But also, <laughs> how did the narrator know all of this? He'd been behind there a long time. Maybe he had time to figure it out. Without well, explaining why he knew about everything that happened after him, but how does he know about the story about the demon and Could the, the, the blood? Could the bed have told him about the history? I guess. Do maybe. they communicate if you're, if you're a deadly haunted bed, why would you tell someone the information that would allow you to be defeated. But if you're lonely and you have no one else and they were stuck in that estate forever, they must have confided in each other is my guess. <laughs> guess? That's all I can say. I don't know, like, man. So after that, right? Like the demon's still alive. Well, we Not- see the eyes. Well, nothing happened to the demon. It's still alive. Is he in another tree? Is he on the wind again? Could he cry on another bed and make another one? <laughs> Right, like Death this bed is too. Yeah, well, this is what I want to know. That the demon bed that is eats over... more people. Uh, maybe we could get a <laughs> modern interpretation of this. If Barry wanted to, he could put this out again. Right, like he's making some money from this. Maybe he writes another maybe. one, and it's slightly less art house. He could have something here. I don't know. This, I feel like this was something anyway. I like I watched this and I was like, well, <laughs> this is unlike everything I've ever seen before. <laughs> yeah. It, I mean, I don't have a lot of experience watching 70s sort of lower budget movies. So this was a new experience for me. You could tell he was trying really hard to make it something. And that's the thing. Like you mentioned Art House over and over again. Like this dude is trying to inject craft into this movie. He's oh, not absolutely. just making an explo- a straight exploitation. Like, no, no, no. No, he's trying to make some sort of artistic statement. God help him. I don't think he pulled it off, but here we <laughs> no, are. No, well, this is why he couldn't get a thousand bucks. To release it on VHS <laughs> in the 70s, right? He finds out in 2001 that it's been circulating the world for like 20 years or whatever, and he had no idea. I don't know, man. I just keep going back to why did people keep getting into the bed? It makes no sense to me. 
Have you ever in your life before worried about laying down to sleep? Never before or since. It, well, this there is, you go, right? This is so, such a ridiculous premise. Yeah. So we're at the end, and we now uh, we're going to rate it on our standard scale. We do 1 to 10 for how bad it is, 1 to 10 for how enjoyable, and the goal being finding a movie that is a 10 out of 10 on both scales, what we call the Crit 20. And I will say, for me, this is in play because I found this movie to be 10 out of 10 bad. The acting is bad. The effects are fucking laughably ridiculous. That like yellow liquid, it's clearly just an underwater shot. They've put a yellow filter over. It was like a bubble bath. God damn. The chicken bones and the apple cores like yep. rising up out of this are absurd. The attempt to make it artistic with the cross and the, the rose and the, the blood. It's a fucking bed that is like the, the serial killer of this movie. Stop getting in the bed. I don't understand how you could get in the bed. I don't understand how the narrator knows all this. I just don't understand. It's a 10 out of 10 bad. This movie is ridiculously bad. What do you say? 10 bad. It's got to be. There's nothing else you can say about this movie. It is absolutely a 10 bad. There's a reason why nobody wanted to put it out in the 70s. There's a reason why it became a cult classic because it is, uh, in a way, uh, enjoyably bad, but it's horrible. It has to be a 10. There's no other option. So it's in play for both of us. It we act- could have yeah. the first ever double crit 20. It's not a crit 20. No. I'm sorry. I, I wish I could throw that out there yet. I can't make this my first crit 20. I did laugh a lot. There yep. was a lot of attempts to make this kind of artistic and thoughtful. Um, but there was also just so much lacking from it. There was so much that didn't make sense to me. There were so <laughs> yeah, many loopholes. The acting was just re- like, <laughs> it's not good. incredibly bad. It's hard because it's from the 70s, but I, I gave this enjoyable rating of a 7. That's not bad. I gave it one higher than that. I gave it an 8. Okay. I And again, I go back to... I've watched, God, thousands of movies in my lifetime. This is one that is completely unlike everything I've seen before. I'm like, when you can see something unique and new, like that to me, after thousands of movies, that's worth something. And so this is fucking absurd. It's ridiculous. Part of me, when I, when I read about it, when I like thought about it, I was like, this could be, it's possible. It's possible. It's one of the ones where I'm like, some movies I know it's not going to happen. It's not going to be a crit 20. This is what I'm like, Maybe. But when I watched it, I was like, ah, we just didn't get there. It's really hard. I, I mean, the Crit 20 score has only happened once so far, and we've watched several movies. 23, 22, and whatever. And there's been more than – there's probably been a handful that have been 10 bads, right? There's been yep. some that have been up for the possibility of it. But to get the 10 enjoyable, I need a lot more kind of laugh <laughs> factor or content to it. I don't know. Fair enough. So it just – it didn't have it for me, but I I'm I do, definitely don't regret watching it. I think that – if you haven't seen it, especially if you're a fan of the horror genre or you're looking for something kind of just different and you would like to watch it, it's worth the hour and a half of your time. Not even an hour and 20 minutes of your time. I was going to say, yeah. this is, this it's is an not an 80-minute movie. I, I agree. That's why I said the start of the movie. I said the start of the movie. If you haven't seen this, I strongly urge you. If you are a horror fan, if you are a fan of bad movies, cheesy, low-budget, whatever, just ridiculous shit, see this movie because it is definitely worth it. Very unique, very different, fucking hilarious. Watch the Patton Oswalt uh, bit about this also because he makes some incredibly uh, accurate points. I'm going to have to search that up. Yeah, I'm going to yeah. have to watch that after this. How did you feel about this beer? Um, It was good. Uh, like I said before, the Honey Brown is sort of my gateway into beer drinking. It was what I started drinking as a young man who was looking to start enjoying alcoholic beverages. It's like certainly malt forward uh, with some honey tones to it and... 
I've my tastes have shifted over the years, and I definitely prefer a more hop forward beer than this one. But uh, if you enjoy uh, honey browns, definitely take a drink of the snooze you lose. Yeah, um, it's got the sweet honey flavor. It's got a little bit of smoke to it as well, which I like. I definitely couldn't drink a lot of these in one night, um, which I was what I used to do, and then I started getting just insane hangovers. And the reason why was probably all the honey. But uh, yeah, they feel a little heavy, and I think that's just the like malt forward honey flavor too. So I agree, it wouldn't be something you would consume a, a huge amount of. But I definitely enjoyed it. Yeah, as a honey brown ale, I feel like it checks all the boxes. And so uh, yeah, snooze you lose, Oshawa, Ontario, Canada. Check it out if you have a chance. Next week is our twenty fifth episode. And we are we have picked just a great movie for that. We're going to be watching the Sylvester Stallone classic, Over the Top. <laughs> really? Yes, sir. Oh, my goodness. You know what? I don't think I've watched this. I've heard a lot about it. I know that he has to arm wrestle for his fucking child. <laughs> that's essentially and, what it boils and, down and to. And then yeah. that sounds amazing to me. I'm definitely down for enjoying this. It's our first Stallone movie. Can you believe it? Yeah, not really. I mean, yeah. I, I've enjoyed a lot of Bad Stallone uh, over my lifetime. And yes, so sir. I look forward to watching this one together. Saving it for episode 25. Why not? Over the top. Beautiful. That'll be next week. If you have not already, please follow us on social media, Twitter, Instagram, at the BMB podcast. If you have any suggestions, uh, feel free to send us a DM at those social media accounts or send a message at the bnb podcast at gmail.com we love to hear your suggestions absolutely we appreciate you listening and we will see you next week until then i'm cooper and i'm nolan thanks for joining us on bad movies and beer keep it artsy okay yeah the bed that eats <laughs>